Currency Press is Australia's foremost publisher of the performing arts. We've been sharing Australian stories since 1971, and with those stories we've also shared insights, ideas and critiques. We think of them as the stories about stories, the stories behind stories, preparing us for the journey we're about to undertake. Hello, I'm Toby Leon, and this is Not In Print. Today, I'm going to read Declan Green's excruciating theatre. It's Chris Conn's Forward to Moth by Declan Green, which Chris commissioned in 2010 when he was the artistic director of Arena Theatre Company in Melbourne. Chris completed a graduate diploma in directing at the VCA School of Drama in 1998, before founding the Stuck Pigs Squealing Theatre in 2000. He went on to become its artistic director. He was appointed Arena's Artistic Director in 2008, and is currently Theatre Diversity Associate for the Queensland Theatre Company, La Boite Theatre Company, Metro Arts, and the Brisbane Multicultural Arts Centre. Here's my reading of Declan Green's Excruciating Theatre, which Chris wrote to coincide with the publication of Moth in 2012. The filmmaker Todd Salons has said that there can be a blurry line between laughing at the expense of a character and laughing at the recognition of something painful and true. Welcome to the excruciating theatre of Declan Green. It's painful and it's true. It's vicious and merciless. It's populated by flawed, often unlikable characters drowning in dramatic irony. It's brutal and often ugly and bad things happen to bad people and good people alike. It can be hard to watch, but compels you not to look away. On the flip side, Declan's world is also hilarious, compelling and never nasty for the sake of it. It inhabits the blurry line between cruelty and empathy, eschewing easy targets in favour of catching the bigger fish, exposing the hypocrisies and little tyrannies in which we all indulge. His humour is that of recognition and discomfort. It's dark satire with no easy outs. In the lineage of Joseph Heller, Sandra Bernhardt and Todd Salons. Moth was originally commissioned by Arena Theatre Company and Malthouse Theatre as a new work for teenage audiences. When I first approached Declan with the idea of a commission, I didn't know a lot about his work. I'd read Rage Boy, which was a sparkling, kitsch satire touching on organised religion, adolescence and family dysfunction. I'd started to hear a lot about the Sisters Grimm, his high-camp, queer, trash tribute band of an independent theatre company, making low-rent shows in pop-up venues around Melbourne but I hadn't seen any of their shows. All I knew was little snatches of film uploaded onto their website and YouTube. This was an entirely appropriate way to become acquainted with this group of artists, emerging as they had in the age of soundbites, viral celebrity, and democratised culture. From these grainy clips, I gleaned a raw performance style, an unmediated relationship between artists an audience. They seemed more like party dares than shows. They always looked as if they might fall apart completely. And at the same time, there was never any danger of this, as they had always already fallen apart in some way. The other thing I got from these shakily shot snippets was dialogue that was very witty, snappy, fierce, and merciless in its pursuit of its targets. The cleverness of the dialogue belied the rough, anti-aesthetic surface, buying the trust that is implicit in a solid contract between audience and artist. 
The other key element to the Sisters Grimm aesthetic was their abiding fondness for trashy camp. These guys were sifting through trash not because they liked getting filthy, although that would have been part of it, but because rifling through someone's trash reveals a lot about them. And sifting through the trash of a society, we learn a lot about how that society operates. Witness this in the films of John Waters and Todd Salons, the performance art of Karen Finley, and the photography of Nan Golden. For Declan Green and his cohorts, camp trash culture has provided a fertile ground for a vicious satire, sophisticated art in the gaudy clothing of camp. In his work with the Sisters Grimm and early commissions for university theatres, this has been the artistic pulse of Declan Green, a bin diver, a trash lover, but above all, a satirist. Given that this was my introduction to his work, on the surface it's odd that I came to approach him with an idea for writing a contemporary tragedy for teenage audiences. Declan's work showed an abiding love of camp. Susan Sontag famously argued that camp is the antithesis of tragedy, that camp's tonality of excruciating recognition denies the catharsis of tragedy. But I had good reason to approach him. I felt that the tragedy part of creating a new work would be something we could work on together. However, a flair for sparkling, witty dialogue and a mature understanding of theatrical form were things that a writer had to bring to the table themselves. I have found these qualities hard to find together in young writers. At any rate, I wasn't sure it would work out, but a hunch is a hunch and there's no harm in having coffee and a conversation, which is how we started. So we met for coffee, talked about theatre, and I put on the table some thoughts I'd been having about some starting points for a new play. I was interested to see if they sparked any interest in him. I wanted to know if his obvious talents might be harnessed towards tragedy without sacrificing the wit and vicious satire that had brought him to my attention. I presented a few starting points. Firstly, the location of school cricket nets on the edge of a school oval at night. Secondly, the idea that religious insight and mental illness might in some way be the same thing seen through different lenses. Thirdly, a simple theatrical form in which the actor and the text were primary. Further background to the discussion was an alarming report I'd recently read in which it was stated that over a quarter of children aged between 10 and 14 in Australia were worried that the world would come to an end before they grow old. Also casting a shadow over early discussions was the very recent event in Melbourne in which a skinny, disturbed 15-year-old boy, armed with only a small kitchen knife, was shot dead by police officers in a suburban skate park. I was interested in the blurred line between religious zeal, millennialism, and mental illness. On the other hand, I was interested in the fact that so many young people have a genuine fear of global destruction. The final element thrown into the mix was one of my favourite short stories by the master satirist Saki. Shredni Vashtar tells the tale of a disturbed young boy who believes a wild ferret living in his backyard is the animal embodiment of a god and builds a shrine in its honour. His devotion is ultimately repaid when the wild animal savages and presumably kills his cruel guardian cousin. It had been in the back of my mind to work on a show in which a similar relationship between child and animal god might be explored. We discussed a few manifestations of this before Declan landed on the figure of a moth. 
Through a series of emails, we decided on some central characters, a form of storytelling and a plot. We did this the usual way I work with writers on a new concept. I would put forward some fairly average ideas, prompting Declan to come up with something far better. He produced a first draft which became the basis of three development weeks with actors spread out over a few months. Each of these weeks included visits to a nearby high school where we tested the play for authenticity of language and characters, engagement value of the plotting and generally made sure that we weren't a bunch of old theatre people misrepresenting or offending the intelligence of young people. The responses were overwhelmingly positive and contributed to the development of the play. In these workshops, I saw firsthand just how well Declan is able to capture the spirit and inner life of teenage characters and the sometimes tyrannical world of the high school campus. Through the seven weeks of development and rehearsal, with the aid of some extraordinary actors and creatives, Declan created a gripping, honest, terrifying and brutally funny play that has connected deeply with audiences of different ages. From the start, he was adamant that we resist making the central characters of Sebastian and Clarissa likeable. He was also adamant that the play not attempt to falsely provide easy answers to some of the hardest aspects of growing up. I think writers, directors and actors can spend too much time worrying about the likability of their characters. We don't need to like anyone on stage to be gripped by their world. Integrity of purpose, authenticity of voice, and identification will win out every time. I think that Moth is something of an anomaly in Green's work to date. It occupies its own little space, conspicuously eschewing camp and excess as driving elements. His work with Sisters Grimm is grounded in a very sophisticated and finely tuned understanding of camp tradition, whether it's riffing off exploitation movies, Tennessee Williams, or Hanny Rayson. This was never discussed, but I think it was a very deliberate choice by Declan to allow the work to grab the audience by the throat and not allow them any release through ironic detachment. In Moth, it's almost as if camp crumbles under the weight and urgency of two teenagers in extreme mental distress. Sitting in the audience for the very first performance of Moth stands out as one of my most treasured experiences in the theatre. We had spent four or five preview performances making numerous cuts and additions, both large and small, attempting to find the right shape for the work. The actors were incredibly committed and generous, incorporating these changes into their performances from day to day. By the time the show opened, I don't think that any of us really knew exactly what it was. But by the end of that first performance, it was clear to me that Declan had succeeded in creating a compelling tragedy, taking the audience on a thrilling and, at times, harrowing ride. Its most shattering moments are the ones where we see the characters unable to see themselves from outside of the positions that they're stuck in. Sebastian idolising his tormentors and showing disdain for the people who have his best interests at heart. Clarissa, locked in a kind of purgatory where she attempts to make sense of the unthinkable, the survivor grappling with guilt and questions of her own part in the loss of a young life. That was my reading of it, at any rate. With a new production of Moth having just opened in London, another coming up in Washington DC, and undoubtedly many more to come, I'm sure that each creative team will find their own meanings and nuances in this dense and complex text. Now that you have it in your possession, I recommend reading this play aloud, with friends. 
If you have time and the correct permissions, please put it on stage in front of an audience where it really belongs. Like a genie in a lamp, it lays in wait, hoping that a director, some actors, and an audience will release it from the page and bring it to life again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Not in Print. We hope you enjoyed hearing more about this great Australian play. You can find out more about who we are and view our full catalogue at currencypress.com.au. And if you have any comments or questions about this episode or any other episode, we'd love to hear from you. Just search for Currency Press on Facebook or Twitter and drop us a line. This episode was produced by Currency Press with the generous assistance of the Department of Performance Studies and the School of Letters, Art and Media at the University of Sydney.